Paper Patents, The Complete Story. Hello and welcome back. In this episode, we will learn about the future of innovation, about how paper patents plays a role. We'll unravel this whole world of paper patents and this ingenious IP strategy that helps reshape how to protect and propel ideas. These are not your ordinary patents. They're a secret sauce for agile innovators. They act as key placeholders for products of tomorrow. When the USPTO's model shifted, where the prototypes uh, no longer were needed, the ability to create a paper patent started. What's happened here is from very clear inventorship to seamless strategies for integration, you can ride the wave of even AI and virtual reality. See, paper patents are the invisible yet invincible heroes of the new IP world. So tune in and learn how to leverage this game changer to fuel your creative endeavors. Learn how to master the art of forward patenting, which is also paper patents, where ideas meet opportunities and imagination gets locked in legally. Inventions keep the world spinning. From fire in the wheel to today's high tech, inventions power change. Turn your inventions into reality. Learn how to get your ideas to market. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. This is John Cronin, Invent Anything. And today we're going to cover six topics. The first topic is the background of paper patents, followed by the second topic, which describes the benefits of paper patents. And topic three and topic four are kind of rolled together. There are about 21 strategies, if you can believe it, for paper patents that we want to share. There are more, but we thought sharing those would be very helpful to your endeavors in business. And then in topic number five, we'll give you tips for writing paper patents. And this will be followed by talking about the future of paper patents in topic six. You know, every time I do a podcast, I think about the audience and this particular op audience, uh, when I started thinking about it, it's pretty broad. It's really for anyone interested in patents at any level. Also, for those small companies who want real leverage, paper patents are for you. And for those larger companies, you can see the many needs for paper patents. Uh, so you might even want to start your own patent factory. And uh, for a fourth audience group, it might be anyone doing transactions, licensing, or M&A, or raising money, where paper patents can really leverage. Also, for those who want to sort of understand the connection between IP strategy and this new paper patents, there's a lot of strategies here, as I mentioned, so this is definitely for you. And also for inventors like me, uh, this can add a lot of hope, help with insights, and maybe give you the ability to write up your patent the next time where you might doubt doing it. So stay tuned. Coming up, we're going to learn about paper patents and forward patenting. We're going to help show this strategic approach of intellectual property, where the filings are made without any physical prototypes. They're going to act as placeholders for innovation. It's going to cover a wide variety of categories, uh, things like chemical compositions, et cetera. You know, since 1880, we've stopped needing prototypes for the patent office. So there's no physical model required any, anymore. So learn about the, the future of paper patents through the background and some benefits. So let's get into the first topic, the background of paper patents. First of all, if you search for paper patents, you're probably gonna find very little. There's almost nothing that I would find that's written about paper patents. Even the sort of corollary of what's called forward patenting. So the interesting thing is, this could be really the first time that you could learn about paper patents. Another part of the background of paper patents is they, they are patents that are written that actually have no physical or any kind of 
prototype representation. That's it. You're writing up an invention through the patent system, but there's no product, no physical anything, no compositions, no chemical formulations. You have nothing except the invention on the patent. Another part of the background is that in order to get a patent, you have to enable the invention. And just like any invention, you have to enable a paper patent. You might go to episode six on enablement for paper or patents on intellectual property that we've done in the Invent Anything series to get more background on that. Another part of the background of paper patents is that paper patents act as sort of placeholders or sort of uh, forward patenting, if you will. By placeholder, we mean you might think about having a product or some product improvement, and you develop a patent that gets issued without it actually physically being you know, ready. But the patent gives you the right now to stop others from making or selling, so you've held a place using the patent system. Another part very interesting about the paper patents is that um, you can cover almost every single type of patent there is. Hardware, software, biotech, farmer, methods, systems, article manufacture, compositions. And except for a few places like chemical formulations where patent office might require data, it covers 95% of the territory of all patents. I talked about in the introduction about the patent office, and there's a kind of interesting story that in, it used to be when the patent system started in the uh, 1750s, um, basically it required a, a prototype or a working model. And that, that was the, the way things were done up until about 1880. And they had a building where all the prototypes were stored, and they built a second building um, to start storing prototypes. Uh, and as the story goes, one of the buildings burned down. And they started recognizing this was just too hard to keep track of all these prototypes. So in 1880, they stopped the requirement of needing a working model for patents. There's another part of the history here, which is also kind of interesting, because even though working models were required and then all of a sudden they weren't, still inventions were patented for things that were really already developed that you could point to and show. There's a story about the invention of the television with uh, Phil, Philip Farnsworth. Uh, who is credited as being the inventor of the television in, at a very young age. I think at 15 years old, he drafted the first ideas. But then what happened is that uh, as he started getting going, Sarnoff, the director of RCA, who was competing with Farnsworth on the television, RCA felt it was threatened that the radio might lose its way to television. And so they couldn't find a way to essentially beat Farnsworth by coming up with a better television or, or figure out even how it worked. So what happened is, as the story goes, uh, Sarnoff hired engineers and patent attorneys to do nothing but patent on top of uh, and ahead of Farnsworth. And they did that in, in a tremendous volume. And what happened as a result of that at the end of the day is that RCA Sarnoff uh, had as many patents that were good as, as Farnsworth. And because RCA was big and Farnsworth was small, uh, RCA actually won the day in, in the television space. So that was sort of a strategy, if you will, using paper patents, because RCA didn't make it, uh, to essentially get a lock on an actual inventor that had a real prototype and a, and a real product. Another part of the background is, and this is a little bit difficult to explain, but there's not a lot of people in the world that know how to write up paper patents. I think when you talk to patent councils, there's a good subset of them, I think, that might not know the term patent, paper patent, but there are another subset that might actually not, not know what that is, but they actually can create a patent without a prototype or without a product. 
So there's a very select group of, say, attorneys or people like myself, consultants, that basically can actually create and write paper patents. I've written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds over my life. And at IBM, when I ran the IBM Patent Factory, uh, thousands there. So very well aware of paper patents. But you'll find it's a unique skill if you try to search for it. Another part of paper, paper patents as a background is that um, you can do this in a very strategic way. See, one patent is good, but then you can have a group of paper patents that can be defined strategically. We'll talk a lot about that in this podcast. Another part of the background is that uh, paper patents have the identical requirements as real patents. Uh, as a matter of fact, the patent office doesn't call them paper patents, they're just patents. But if you write up a paper patent versus a patent that has a product or a prototype, all the requirements are there, just as if it was a physical product. Uh, any, any product or service that you have that you want to file a patent on, you have to do all the same things when you file a paper patent. Uh, I will leave you with the story of uh, another part of the background here is that uh, when I was at IBM for a number of years, uh, I ended up creating and running the IBM Patent Factory. And in that position, we would go around inventors all the time and extract ideas out and write up inventions and get patents issued on, on ideas where the product had not yet even started. But in this way, IBM got you know patents, positions, placeholders on an enormous amount of future products. So having been a person that's written hundreds and thousands of these over the years with my team, I can tell you that paper patents are a unique and, and really wonderful way of enhancing your IP strategy, which leads to topic number two, which is the, the benefit of patents, paper patents. One of the key benefits of paper patents is they're cheaper. You don't have to develop the product. You don't have to do R&D. It just comes from your head on, on, on to the computer and into the creating a paper patent. So I would say it's a really strong benefit to get a patent position without having a physical product. Another benefit is it's faster. Uh, it might take a half a day to a day to write up a paper patent uh, and get it filed. Maybe a week, I don't know, but that certainly is less time than figuring out how to write the, you know, get the prototype or the, or the product defined. Uh, so again, really strong benefit. A third benefit is that this paper patents are an excellent output for brainstorming sessions. By that, I mean, if you hold a group of people together and come up with ideas, a lot of times it ends up on a list and that's the value, that's the output. But if you took that list and categorized it to the top ideas and file the top ideas as paper patents, then what happens is you now own some of those ideas of the future. A real strong benefit is the output to a brainstorming session. Another thing is if we take a look, the patents go from idea to claims to enablement, uh, uh, but it's really the other way around um, you know, for products where they go from the, the product to the enablement to the claims. So what's happening here is a paper patent is really created almost in the reverse of a patent for a product. And what that does is sort of sharpens the skill of, a, of a writing claims and getting inventions, because if we could start with the claim and then work your way into the enablement, that means you can change the claim very quickly to get to what you want and then enable versus looking at the product at the end of the day and trying to figure out what the claims are. Another thing about paper patents is that and this is a real strong point, is that when you file a patent, you're required by your, your other declaration to file what's called the best mode of your invention. Meaning there might be three or four ways to make your invention work, but you're not putting the bad way in to try to get claims uh, so that you're holding secrets with the best way. So the patent office is requiring you to do the best mode. The nice thing about a paper patent is whatever you're writing up is the mode you're in, right? There is no quote, best mode. 
so you actually beat the requirements of best mode. You can certainly have the best mode at the time you're thinking about it, but maybe later on, after you file a patent and get it issued, you come up with a better way versus having a product, which is the best way, and you have to follow your best mode. Another thing about paper patents that I found anyway is that inventorship is really clear. So if you're in a company developing products or services or whatever, and you want to file a patent, try to find out who the inventor is. You know, the inventor by definition is someone who's made a contribution to the claims of the patent. But when you're writing up the paper patent, clearly it's the person or team writing up the paper patent. There's nobody else involved. So that's a real benefit, especially when you're filing lots of patents. Another thing about paper patents is they're really great because one of the outputs is of an inventor round is that you can produce paper patents. So when you're inventing around a patent you're worried about, you can then patent it. And so now you've got a position in the inventor round as well as not worried about the patent that you invented around. One of the wonderful things about paper patents as a benefit is they're actually woven right into an IP strategy, an IP white space, an IP landscape. You see, if you can see spaces on your landscape or any strategy that you need patents on, instead of developing them through R&D and creating the product or prototype, you just follow the paper patents. The other neat benefit is in today's world of AI and CAD and large language models and all that, those are tools that really help you enable. So I remember I said it's a special skill to do paper patents. Well, with AI and CAD and large language models, the skill needed to do it is far less. And finally, uh, when we start thinking about innovation being virtual, meaning I can develop a product or service really using the power of the internet and tools and brainstorming without ever creating anything in the laboratory, paper patents can be written on that virtualized innovation. So now you have an innovation program virtualized with patents at the end where there's been no products at all. So you can do complete innovation programs using patent paper patents. Well, that completes the first two topics. So coming up, you're gonna learn about strategies for paper patents and we'll delve into all the different ways we can be using these, including them as placeholders, how you can use them as startups, how you can use them to improve valuation, et cetera. So stay tuned and don't miss the strategies for paper patents. Topic number three, strategies for paper patents, part one. The first strategy is very basic, and I mentioned this earlier, is that you can use them for a product enhancement placeholder, meaning as you're developing a product and you put it in manufacturing or something, you're always thinking about improvements. So creating a paper patent on the improvement before it's in the production or even prototyping is a classic way to improve your patents that are covering your products in the future. Another thing is another strategy for paper patents is you can use them to create almost an instant portfolio. As part of what I do in my field, in my consulting practice, is we create a lot of portfolios, all, all paper patents. And we generally have an 85% success rate of whatever we file gets issued. So we're creating dozens and hundreds of these paper patents all the time. So I'm a real practitioner of it. And so one of the strategies is to use it to build small portfolios. Another strategy that comes out of paper patents is that whenever a paper patent is written, that document by definition is not covering anything physical yet, a prototype or a product, but that document paper patent becomes a blueprint for, for the prototype. And so many times when we're doing paper patents, the people doing the prototype read the paper patent to actually build it. So uh, the nice thing about patents when you write them is they're very structured 
They were almost ripped to tell an R&D or an engineer how to build something. One of the one of, wonderful things about paper patents is another strategy is they're a great way to build enhancements and monetization. A big part of our practice, for instance, is working with early stage companies who are raising money. And what they're trying to do is to try to get the raise done and a better valuation. And companies that come to us where we can build a half a dozen or a dozen paper patents convinces the investor that there's a real that there's a real thing here. So using them for monetization is a great strategy. Another way for paper patents to have a benefit, beneficial strategy here is they're used as the basis for creating a startup. Uh, in a previous podcast, we talked about you know patents as a poison pill in a startup, all the things that can go wrong when you don't get patents right in the startup. And here we're talking about paper patents by definition. In our next podcast, we actually talk about how a paper patent becomes the basis of a startup company. And so a great strategy is using it as the beginning of a startup company. Another thing that we have found is that paper patents are directly written after a brainstorming session uh, where there's an important meeting coming up with a partner or a vendor with someone where you want to put on record your ideas. So before you have the meeting, you get together and kind of brainstorm what you're talking about. And if there's any new ideas there, filing a paper patent is a, is a great next step. And because it's fast and because it's cheap, it's one of the best ways there is to own what you're going to be talking about. One of the things we also recognize as a strategy for paper patents is that we talked about using it to enhance monetization, but let me go further on that. Uh, you can use paper patents and develop them and actually do a valuation of them, even when they're pending, to try to get an idea for the value of these things. And that's really important when you come to raising money. Even PitchBook recently has done a study of hundreds and hundreds of companies that got funded that found out that those companies that had patents had a much higher degree of getting money raised and at higher valuations. Another thing we found was from PitchBook is that those companies that had patents had enhanced valuations. So that means knowing how to do paper patents can definitely not even help a startup, can help the raise, can help in getting the raise done, but can also help in the valuation. Another strategy of paper patents is that you can use it for pre-product locking in dates, meaning that when you are developing paper patents on potential products and you're filing these things at a certain rate, or a certain time, you actually then can sort of use this paper patent as the placeholder for the patents, but also do it specific times. So when you're about to launch a product, you might think about filing the paper patent first before the product is completed. You might launch the product and then have some future ideas and have paper patents on those future ideas as well. Um, there's even some very particular strategies that are used with paper patents, whereby a lot of companies will say, I'm not sure we can get claims issued in this space. So they come to us, it's the first time they're thinking about getting patents. Uh, you know, we had a company in a, in a financial model uh, that, that was had a new way of sort of raising money and doing things. And they didn't think that what they were doing was patentable. So the suggestion was, why not just do one paper patent and then file it with a fast filing and see if the claims were allowed. And interestingly enough, the, the investors that were in this deal said they didn't believe they could get patents. And finally, the patent got issued, and they came back and said, now that we can do this, this is great. You convinced us, let's file 100 of these, because they have a huge financial business model that they want to protect. So paper patents used to test the patent office. So let's go to part two and topic number four, strat strategies for paper patents. Let's just continue the next uh, 10 of these. One of the things I mentioned about paper patents is that you can write them up fast, but you can also really make things happen fast if you fast track your paper patents, meaning that you pay the extra fee 
and see if we can get to the patent office in, in three, six, nine months. Think about that. From the time you think of an idea, you could have a paper patent issued in three to four months. And we have done that. So it really speeds up the whole process if you're willing to do fast tracking along with paper patents. Another thing about paper patents is as soon as you file them, even as a provisional, you can lay them open because you're protected. So laying these paper patents open means that you're creating prior art for others, which is a huge part of a defensiveness posture for someone who's trying to copy you. So laying them open early. Another one is that the paper patents are ideal for the new patent system where you can you know, file first. Uh, it used to be you invented first, now it's he files first. So it's, everyone talks about speed to the patent office. So if you're trying to develop your product and hoping that you did it fast, so you can file the patents, you don't need to. Just file the paper patent. One of the things is that another strategy is to use the paper patents by filing a provisional first, because that gives you even more optionality. Pa paper patent filed as a provisional gives you a year to decide if you want to file the patent. So now it's even cheaper, right? You create the paper patent, you file it as a provisional, and you don't file it as a patent yet to see if the market really goes in the direction you're interested in. One of the things we use uh, paper patents for a lot is when we're licensing, when we're trying to license to sell patents. A lot of times in licensing or selling patents, the portfolio is old, meaning it's three, four, six, seven years old. So we use paper patents to sort of upgrade the portfolio. And we have a very large deal in play right now, whereby their patents were four or five years old, but we filed a provisional paper patent that had about 30 or 40 embodiments in it. And it was that paper patent provisional that we, we showed uh, the potential licensee that kept the deal in place to the point that it was becoming much more positive. It hasn't closed yet, but we could certainly see it working. One of the things about paper patents as another strategy is it's a great barrier for entry for competitors. See, when you file a patent, you can put patent pending on it. So getting something out fast as a paper patent, cheap as it is, now you're going to get the benefit of claiming patent pending, which from a competitive standpoint, competitors will be put on notice. One of the things about paper patents that we found another use for is with partnerships. So if you have a, a supplier or a customer, uh, you can develop paper patents from their point of view. So when you're talking to them, you have patent coverage on the things that they might see as patentable, which helps with negotiation. Um, paper patents have helped as a strategy in litigation. So when someone is being sued as a, as a plaintiff is suing, the defendant is defending, sometimes a defendant can create a half a dozen paper patents and only have them issued before the, you get to court. So now you have some stuff to counter-assert. Most companies do the old-fashioned way where they're being sued and they need some counter-assertion patents and they spend an enormous amount of time and money to see if they can buy patents from somebody else. And they're usually not as good because you know there's specific patents on the, on the plaintiff you want to get. So paper patents is a wonderful way to, to, to push back on a negotiation uh, for litigation. Also, another strategy that we've seen is a lot of companies are trying to get funding from the government or some sort of funding mechanism. It's always great to file some paper patents to put that in as, as your background, that you have patents filed uh, or even patents issued in the direction that you're trying to get a grant for. Another strategy is using a paper patent to bolster the IP audit, where we've seen that the company goes internally to look at the value of their portfolio and they want to improve it. So paper patents can help you almost instantly put things on record of IP in play. And other things that paper patents do as a strategy is they're really a showcase for technology innovation for investors. It's not just raising money and valuation. You're talking about your patents as if they're technology. 
because a paper patent is going to cover a future product, but it's also covering the technology. So now we can convince investors that this is the technology that we own. And finally, the last strategy, if it wasn't enough, was that a lot of companies will spin out a company and they'll find out that if they can develop paper patents around a spin out and do that correctly, they now have a real uh, locked in uh, portfolio and ownership of what the spin out's going to be. Now, I could go on with strategies. We've used paper patents for almost 20 something years in our consulting practice, but it, it just occurred to me when I was searching paper patents and forward patenting that there was almost no literature on it at all. I said, I've got to do a podcast with this. So look, we're going to go to the next step. We're going to come up, we're going to take a look at how we can craft and write up a paper patent and all the tips. It's more than formats, formats. it's sort of how we can enable and, and, and these in a Russian doll way or how we can include various embodiments. We'll guide you in how to do that. We'll also discuss, you know, from the point of view of sort of looking ahead, how we can think about the future of paper patents, how AI is going to be used, how businesses are going to pop up using paper patents, et cetera. So stay tuned and don't miss tips on how we're going to do paper patents and also the future of pa paper patents uh, for between now and 2040. So topic number five, tips on writing paper patents. First of all, the reason why I put this section in, in is that I've written a number and so have my staff over the years, as I mentioned, but I'm trying to maybe take those who are doubting that you can get patents on something that doesn't have a product or a service yet. I want to sort of use these tips. And by the way, when you get really good at writing patents, paper patents, as I mentioned, it's such a unique skill that it's really a combination of being an inventor with an engineer with a patent attorney all in one mind. You've got to be able to go back and forth on all this stuff. So let's get into some simple tips. The first tip is uh, use the exact same format as an issued patent. So there's no difference there. You know, you have the background, the, 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 the background, the invention, the description, the invention, the claim, abstract titles, etc. Same format. But when you're doing a paper patent, sort of what I tend to think about is almost like the Russian doll was a doll and a doll and a doll. And so you take the basic idea, whatever it is, and then think about the next level of enablement of how that idea is going to work. Maybe it's four or five steps. And then you take the most important step, and then figure out how to enable that to its sub-steps, and then take the sub-steps and say, what's the most important next sub-step? So doing this kind of Russian doll enablement, you're able to go from a very broad concept down to what it is that's special about it. And by doing this process, you're able to enable it. If you want to see more about enablement, see our podcast on enablement uh, for uh, understanding what enablement is. Another tip for writing paper patents is because you're not bounded by a product or a prototype that you're trying to ensure you're covering, you can have three, four, five, six embodiments, meaning different ways to achieve the same invention. And so you might claim a general way, but there's four or five embodiments and you get dependent claims on one of those specific ways. Maybe that paper patent could later on become an issue patent with, with continuations. Maybe there could be four or five more continuations on each embodiment. A paper patent with multiple embodiments is really great because as time goes on, you can claim the embodiment that the market takes. Another tip for writing paper patents is to do stuff to force citations, usually in the buyers or the 
defendants, if you will, is um, language. What that means is that every patent that's issued, the patent examiner cites relative prior art. So when you're writing up a paper patent, you can do research on the prior art, figure out what companies and what you know what others have invented in the space and start to use their language in your paper patent. Meaning if someone is developing some sort of piece of software and, and they're using sort of a, an algorithm and AI, you find out that the particular types of AI they're, they're using is correlations of regression analysis or, or correlations of convolutions or something. So by doing that, you're recognizing that they're using convolution or regression for their technology. So when you want to write an AI invention yourself, you use that kind of AI regression and convolution versus other types of AIs, which could be things like uh, autocorrelation or large language models, et cetera. So it's important to try to use the language of, of in the paper patent for the type of companies that you might think be interested in the technology. Because you're allowed to do that, right? Because it's not a physical product yet. You haven't coded it up. So you can do whatever you want. Another thing with tips for writing up paper patents is you really always want to start with more narrow claims to get issuance. So claims, if you had five or six steps, maybe you have seven or eight steps and get that issued first. And then later on, go for the broader claim. Because it's a paper patent, you're not really worried yet to get the broadest claims around a product. You're only worried about getting a patent. And you can later on come back with the product. We just recently did a number of uh, paper patents in the medical space of how to add AR and VR in the operating room. I think we filed something like 50 uh, patents. Uh, I think 47, 48 of them now issued and they have multiple embodiments. And so we're, how, wherever the market moves, we're able to be able to you know, carve out new claims. Another thing about paper patents is that more drawings than normal are better because companies tended to minimize drawings when they're covering products and stuff because they want to sort of minimize divulgation of actual know-how. But here, when you're doing a paper patent, there is no know-how ex except for what you're writing up. So here, clearly, you want to expand on things. So there's no trade secrets that you're really worried about yet. Another tip for writing uh, paper patents is uh, to use the paper patent to create prior art. And I, I mentioned laying it open earlier as a strategy. But here, clearly, you can publish inside a paper patent, whereas in normal patents, you might not publish because you're, you're trying to restrict the patent to the product you're covering and try to focus in on that. Here, we can use it a placeholder patent, use it for any one of these strategies, have multiple embodiments, have lots of figures, and now we've been published the whole thing. Because what happens if it gets published and people can't patent on top of it? That's good, right? Uh, but you're not worried about it because you don't have the product yet. Another thing is that when you're writing paper patents, a great tip is think about the time frame for where the invention sits. If the time frame of the invention sits five years from now, that's very different than 10 years from now or 18 months from now. So you can literally pick technologies in the paper patent to enable things about where it should arrive. So if I was in the old days of flip phones and I'm trying to write up some paper patents on mobile devices, and I'm thinking about the flip phone that has functions on it, et cetera, um, my improvement might be a new you know, algorithm or module on the flip phone using these function keys. But I've heard about you know, that Apple's working on the smartphone. So in my paper patent, I can simply say that the mobile device has a screen you know, with applications on it, not just these function buttons. So I'm able to push my paper patent in any technology direction with timing that I have. Another tip of writing paper patents is 
that you write it from the point of view you want. So if you want the paper patent to be effective against your supplier, pretend you're the supplier and write the patent as if they were uh, writing it up. Also, if you're a customer, you could write up the paper patent from that point of view. And finally, the last tip is that using AI today can help you enable the paper patent. Do a lot of the research, heavy lifting really quickly and spending countless hours searching the web. So just hoping these 10 tips help. There's many others. So let's go to topic number six, the future of paper patents. And let's have some fun with this. Given what I've said that I've had such a long career writing paper patents and the fact that I found out that nobody really has documented what paper patents are, future patents, forward patents, I decided to spend some time sort of thinking about where the future of all these is headed. So first of all, because of the speed of filing, it's very likely that more and more people are gonna to wanna to file patents more quickly. There's no better way than paper patents to do that. So corporations and companies that are filing patents on their products or services right now may be forced to get there first by filing paper patents. Another thing is I could see in the in the future uh, sort of a paper patent sub-industry, almost like a business model. Because you know, if you're trying to get the patent fast, as I mentioned, you don't have that expertise, so you're going to have to farm it out. So just like you'd farm out a patent attorney firm to write up your patent, or you'd farm out a prototyping firm to do the prototyping, here clearly prototyping firms don't do uh, uh, patenting and patent attorneys don't do basically paper patents. So basically I could see a subcategory here of a prototyping company with a patent, with a paper patent back, back office or vice versa, a patent attorney firm that's sort of welded together as a partnership with the, with the companies that can write up paper patents. And I certainly have relationships with a number of patent firms doing exactly that. Another thing I can see about the future is we do a lot of what's called invention on demand, creating new ideas and inventions. And I think the idea of having a paper patent tool on the back end of an invention on demand tool would be a marvelous thing. And I won't divulge sort of what I'm thinking here, except to say that when we're coming up with an idea in a in the brainstorming session, there's another automation to turn that into what looks like the, the backbone of a paper patent. Another thing is I can see since prototyping is becoming more and more of a business space, that prototyping companies will start to offer paper patents as part of their business model. I can also see in large companies that use StageGate or things like that to manage the various stages of product development, that they might decide at some stage like stage two, like once the product is approved and and in for design, they file paper patents there. So I could see the future of that pretty clearly. Another thing is that there may be a market for partial paper patents. What I mean is that I could write up basically the structure of a paper patent and basically monetize it to somebody who wants to take it to the next step to spend the money to file the provisional of the patent. So there could be a market for these partial paper patents. Another clear future direction of this is automation of the process of paper patents. Uh, I already do that to a large extent with my consulting firm, adding a lot of AI and technology to developing paper patents, but I think it's just gonna get more and more and more automated. One of the things we found is another future thing is that software in the future, like on your phone, will actually be uh, executed when you want to execute an app 
basically the software isn't yet written. So you basically type in a little, I want a weight management application, you know, that manages my weight from glucose. And by putting that prompt out there to a large language model, it automatically creates the code and then executes the code. And now it's sitting on your phone. So software won't exist the way we think about it does today. It'll exist by just through a prompt, you create it on the spot. So because of that, that means there's a possibility of large language models with these software creations to also file the patent on it. So I could, I could see total automation of using large language models with uh, paper patents. Another future point of, of uh, paper patents is there's already an issue of who's the inventor when AI writes up the patent. I spent the weekend learning about some of the new patent laws on, on using AI to actually create patents. And, and clearly there's a big direction here. And, and that's probably where they have another podcast. But clearly the patent offices have only allowed patents to be issued when the inventor's human. But you can use AI, right, to help you develop the patent. The question is how much and what contribution the AI is making. Uh, so I can see that this inventor issue becomes another bigger issue again. When more and more people are filing more and more paper patents, where more and more AI is generated, used to generate more and more paper patents. It's got to come to a head at some point. So I could see that showdown happening in just a few years. And finally, we talked about this long history, right? In the 1800s, the patent office's prototype building burned down. And then all of a sudden, you know, they didn't require prototypes. And now here we are where a lot of patents that are filed today don't have products or any physical instantiation at all. They're just paper patents. So could it be in the future that the patent office may have a requirement that maybe your paper patent be submitted to some automation VR or virtual machine in order to see if it works? In other words, that there's a requirement that it does work, you know, but the paper patent has to go into this sort of sausage machine and come out to say, yep, here's what it's going to look like when it all works. And I could see that happening. I could see today, since paper patents are becoming like the blueprint anyway of a prototype, that the paper patent gets inputted into a system that creates the automation, almost like a 3D printer where the CAD file in 3D space is virtual, but then it's used to create the physical object. I could see the paper patent being submitted into a machine that would, a software machine developer anyway, to develop the software, or I could see it actually being tied into some uh, making machines where the paper patents are actually gonna make the things that's in the patent. What a great future. And I think this is gonna happen probably 2040 or, or so on. It's great to think about the future of paper patents. So let's wrap up here. Okay, as discussed in, in the first topic, we talked about the background of paper patents. And we talked about how it was forward patents. We talked about how it needs to be properly enabled. We talked about how the patent office in 1880 didn't require prototypes anymore, and that changed everything. We talked about Farnsworth and Sarnoff and how that's another background piece to why paper patents became important. You know, Sarnoff using paper patents to battle against Farnsworth in a very early battle in the 1930s. We talked about how paper patents were really a special skill that doesn't really exist everywhere and how you really need to be savvy in writing these things up. We also talked about the background in terms of, you know, despite having no tangible product, that this is used but has the same standards and the same of all the patents. Also talked about my experience at IBM in creating and running the patent factory. Now paper patents were big there. And also talked about how significant it is where paper patents can be used 
to fill up your landscape or your strategy. It's a lot of background there in paper patents, and I hope you appreciate you know, learning about it. Then we talked about the benefits in topic number two about paper patents, and there are a lot of them, right? They're fast. They're cheap. They are get around the best mode requirement. We talked about how they can, you can facilitate your IP strategy really well because pat, paper patents can be used to fill landscape categories or strategy issues. We talked about how it's clearer with inventorship with paper patents. We also talked about how it's it's easy to start doing paper patents with these new AIs and large language models. We even talked about in the benefits that how you can actually see that this, uh, these paper patents becoming more and more used by everybody. In topic number three, part one strategies, we talked about a number of them. We talked about using them uh, to, you know, use the paper patent for monetization, to use it as foundational elements for startups. We talked about being a crucial tool, use at the end of brainstorming. We talked about strategies of using paper patents for valuation or for use in mergers and acquisitions. We even talked about how you could use paper patents in a timing sense or a point of view sense in terms of value chain. And we talked about how we can even use paper patents to test the patent office for claims. In topic number four, we continue with these strategies in part two. We talked about how to use paper patents as a way of using that in combination with fast tracking to super accelerate getting a patent. We talked about using this for, for getting gains against your competitor. We talked about how you use paper patents with filing provisionals and how that allows you to get huge flexibility. We talked about using paper patents while you're doing licensing or while you're doing litigation to give you more leverage. We talked about using paper patents for how to improve your R&D funding by having patents in, in your, in your write-up of what you intend to do. And we talked about how you can use paper patents and even things like spin-offs. A lot of uses for paper patents. We then got into topic number five, we gave you some tips for writing it up. So here we talked about sort of, you know, it's the same format, but we talked about the Russian doll idea of how to enable things. We told you about how you can draft the things with many embodiments, how you can draft it towards improving citations to get others to cite you. We talked about how you can take paper patents and add more drawings and more publication to it because it's not restricted by the product. And we even talked about how you can use these things strate strategically to generate prior art. Finally, some of the benefits we talked about how you can use paper patents with AI to, to really get at the point of how you can enable things much better. And finally, we had fun talking about the future of paper patents. We talked about how there could be a sub-industry evolving around this. We talked about how it could be added as an automation tool to the patent of invention on demand tools. We talked about how this might enter stage gate for large companies. We talked about how it could be used for opening up new markets, maybe a partial paper patent could be a new market. And we talked about how dealing with things like large language models and things like that, that it's making supercharged, but it also brings back up the whole issue of can AI invent? And since there'll be more paper patents and more AI used to help create paper patents, it's definitely another showdown coming on this issue. And maybe by the year 2040, we might even see paper patents almost as an input to a sausage machine, if you will, to create the output, just like a 3D printer. And maybe the patent office will require that some VR or, or, or v virtual machine actually exercises the paper patent and see if it actually works. Anyway, what a future, huh? So thanks a lot for listening. If you like this, please subscribe and hit the like button. And please join us on our Invent Anything series of podcasts uh, and, and even our new podcast series on Inventors at Work. This is John Cronin, Invent Anything. Good.